So we're in a series called Anticipating the Gift. And one thing that's difficult this week is waiting, right? <laughs> Until uh, Thursday night or Friday when you start opening gifts, the anticipation begins to build. So we've been in the series, this is the third week. We talked about preparing mentally. We talked about Mary getting this message, this unbelievable message. She was going to be uh, the mother, uh, our birth, uh, the son of God. And then uh, we talked about preparing emotionally, which is huge. Uh, it's a very emotional time, some good, not so, some not so good last week. And we looked at the shepherds. By the way, do you know why Joseph was late getting to the end so there wasn't any room? Because like most men, he wouldn't ask for directions. <laughs> anyway, uh, preparing mentally is important, preparing uh, emotionally. And today we're going to talk about preparing practically. We're going to talk about gift giving. And I've got a couple of my grandchildren's gifts. One of, one of the grandchildren are here, and one of them isn't. And you can't get your gift until <laughs> Thursday or Friday. Friday, actually. So again, we're going to read the text, and we're going to actually look at the wise men, see what they have to teach us about gift giving. And so we're going to read the text first, and then we're going to jump into the outline. <clears throat> this is from Matthew chapter 2, and again in the voice translation. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in the province of Judea at the time when King Herod reigned. Not long after Jesus was born, magi or wise men or seers from the east made their way from the east to Jerusalem. These wise men made inquiries. What was their inquiry? Well, they wanted to know where this king was, this new king. These men from the east came looking for the one who had been born who would save his people from their sins. So they knew there was some spiritual component. As we're going to see, these probably weren't Jewish people, uh, but they had a concept of sin and a need of a Savior. The wise men. Where is the newborn who is the king of the Jews? When we are far away in the east, see, not our king, king of the Jews, we're far away in the east, we saw his star, and we have followed his glistening and gleam all the way to worship him. The king, the present king, Herod, began to hear rumors of the wise men's quest. And he and all his followers in Jerusalem were worried. Why were they worried? Because if you're the king, you don't want a new king. That means you're the ex-king, right? Old king. So Herod called all of the leading Jewish teachers and chief priests and head scribes and asked them where the Jewish tradition claimed this long-awaited anointed one would be born. Okay, that's their Bible, the, our Old Testament. Okay, where did, where did the prophets tell us to look? So the scribes and priests responded. They said, an ancient Hebrew prophet by the name of Micah said this, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are no poor relation. Uh, it's not a really important place. For from you, the people will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Ruler, i.e. king. From the prophecy, we learn that the Savior would be born in the town of Bethlehem, in the province of Judea. This information in hand, Herod orders the wise men to come to his chambers in secret. And when they arrive, Herod quizzes them. So he's king, he orders people around, right? <laughs> Herod called the wise men to him, demanding to know the exact time the special star had appeared to them. Part of the story we're not going to cover is that he went around killing all the kids, the babies in 
in Bethlehem trying to kill this king. Then Herod sent them to Bethlehem. Herod said, go to Bethlehem and search high and low for this savior child. And as soon as you know where he is, report it back to me so that I may go and not worship him, but as we know, try and execute him. I stay king if I get rid of this newborn king. So the wise men left Herod's chambers and went on his way, on their way. The star that had first seen in east reappeared. So evidently he went away for a while, reappeared. A miracle, of course, overjoyed and, and raptured in, uh, the wise men. They were overjoyed, delighted, amazed. The star led them to the house where Jesus lay. So he was no longer in the stable. Uh, this was time had passed. Uh, significant, though, they're still in Jerusalem. They hadn't gone back to Galilee or Nazareth. So the uh, house where Jesus lay, and as soon as the wise men arrived, they saw him with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They unpacked their satchels and gave Jesus gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now this translation of the Bible, instead of having footnotes, has notes in the text. So this next part is not scripture, this is a descriptive footnote. These are exceptionally good gifts, for gold is what is given a king, and Jesus is the king of kings. Incense is what expected to be given a priest, and Jesus is the high priest of all high priests. And myrrh ointment is used to heal, and Jesus is a healer. But myrrh is also used to embalm, embalm cor- uh, corpses, and Jesus was born to die. All of us, once we're born, are going to die, but Jesus was born to die. And then just as Joseph did a few months before, the wise men had a dream warning them not to go back to Herod. So the wise men heeded the dream, ignoring Herod's instructions. They returned to their homes in the east by a different route. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about gifts. Now we give different kinds of gifts. Uh, probably a very common form of gift is a gift for a gift. So... Husbands may buy their wives gifts, and their wives buy their husband gifts. Uh, parents may buy their ch- children gifts. When the children get older, they buy gifts for their parents. Um, you may have a friend that you buy a gift for, and they buy a gift for you. A gift for a gift. It's kind of like exchange. And in fact, we kind of even keep score. Uh, if I buy a gift for somebody this year, then get buy me a gift. Maybe next year I don't buy them a gift. Well, we keep score about how much. If they spent more on me than I spent on them, I probably will up my giving next year uh, or vice versa. <clears throat> and then we had the dilemma, what if you don't like the gift? What do you do? Do you fake it? Say, ah, well, thank you. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure you did appreciate it. Uh, and then exchange it for something else or, or whatever. Or do you say, hey, I really do appreciate the gift. It's really not my size, which is kind of an easy out. Or it's really not my color. Or I already have one. Or whatever it might be. So we're faced with that dilemma. Uh, tell you a story about a pastor who bought a gift for his wife. And she was all excited. And, and she opens it. And it was just a box of, uh, in the box was this pair of gloves. And so she was kind of disheartened, a little disappointed. Until she put the gloves on. And she discovered there was a $10 bill in each 
finger. My wife's here, don't expect <laughs> that gift for me this year, anyway. Um, so, sometimes the gifts are disappointing, sometimes, obviously, we're delighted with them. But, I don't know about you, but for me, a gift for a gift's really not too much, I don't get too excited about that. Um, it's nice to give and it's nice to receive, but it's not too exciting. Uh, just kind of exchanging, maybe I could have gotten, gotten the same thing myself. But that's a common way we give gifts especially at Christmas time. A second type of gift is a gift for a favor. A gift for a favor, whether a favor in the past or a favor in the present. Uh, it comes with like strings attached. Even employers do this. Uh, maybe you've been a good employee last, last year, so they give you a bonus or, or a gift. What's the implication? Well, this is a thank you for being a good employee with the anticipation you're going to continue to be a good employee, right? Um, so we often... Uh, give gifts with strings attached. Uh, maybe uh, I'm giving you this gift so you'll be nice. Uh, simple as that. Again, there's not a lot of enjoyment or fun in, in this kind of giving. Not, not to me, anyway. And then there's the third type of gift. There could be others, obviously. That's a grace gift. Now, this is what I can get excited about. Uh, this is something that's unrepayable. And, of course, those of us who are Jesus followers, we've experienced this in a a huge dramatic way if you're not a Jesus follower we're delighted that you're watching and hopefully someday someday soon you'll experience this grace gift of Jesus also so God gave us Jesus when we didn't deserve it couldn't afford it couldn't repay it and never can uh, I try to think of an example it would be like I owed somebody not just a million dollars that's doable <laughs> I, that I owe somebody a billion dollars. No way I can repay it. So this person says, I'm going to forgive your debt. You mean, I owe you a billion dollars and you're going to say, hey, erase the debt? <laughs> okay, that's a somewhat, a little bit of what it's like to receive God's forgiveness. Because we are separated from God by our, all our sin and this, the debt is un. We just can't, can't pay it. <laughs> so God chooses to send his son to pay it for us and forgive us if we'll receive it, if we'll just agree. I could say, no, I don't want you to, to forgive my billion-dollar debt. I want to work the rest of my life to try and pay it back. Uh, never get there, but I could try. Jesus, God says, no, you can't repay it. It's impossible, so I'm going to pay it for you if you accept it. So that's the only stumbling block you and I have. Now, we experience this grace gift in other ways, too. Some of you have children. I had four. And when my kids were small, they would write me a, well, they, they wrote us notes as parents, you know, I love you, Mom, I love you, Dad, whatever. But I came across one I thought was really good. Uh, I love you, Mom, Dad, and if I could choose any parent in the world, I would still choose you. Now, that's a grace gift. <laughs> There's not an amount of money you can pay your kids to write a card like that. So a little bit more about grace gifts. It's impossible to measure the cost. It's impossible to measure the cost of a grace gift. Some of you may have quilts that your mom made or your grandma made or some aunt made for you. Can you put a price tag on that quilt? No. Uh, some of you know we have a lady in our church, uh, Miss Faith. And her dad was a pastor and she loves missionaries. She gives even though she has very little, she sent a check this week uh, 
for the missions offering. And she's not very healthy now. She, she um, has, uh, I can't think of the name of the, anyway. <laughs> she shakes a lot. Uh, Parkinson's, right. Anyway, so I knew this, and I knew she, every cr- birthday of mine in October, she bakes me an apple pie. So my wife and I went to visit her a few weeks before that, and we said, please, 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 feel free not to make me an apple pie this year. Guess what she did? She baked me an apple pie. Now, you can't put a price tag on that. You you just can't. That's a grace gift. Um, And they're often non-material. A pie is material, but often they're they're non-material. I'll give you some examples of non-material grace gifts, togetherness gifts, togetherness gifts. Um, Some of you, especially watching at home, they've got kids and and your wife's doing everything she always did, husbands, your wives, plus now she's teaching the kids at home or supervising them, uh, home educating, whatever. Uh, Give her a day off or give her a night off or or whatever it might be. Say, you're working really hard. Order food in, clean it, or cook it yourself and clean it up just so we can be together. We used to have a family night at our house when the kids were growing up. And our four kids, of the four kids, they would take turns picking what we would do that night. And so it was our togetherness thing. And so I got three boys and one girl. So when uh, it was Andrea's time to pick, it would be stuff like, let's play with Barbies. And our three boys were really excited about that. And somehow, G.I. Joe's got mixed up with Barbie. <laughs> I don't know how that works. But the point was we were together. Um, so have family time. Uh, service gifts. Service gifts. Uh, I didn't share this in the first service, but there's several people here, families here this morning, that I've been able to serve by using my carpentry, limited carpentry skills, <laughs> and going to help them. Um, that's a gift. Uh, sometimes they offer to pay and I say no. And uh, It's just a, a joy to be able to use some talent or gift that you have to help somebody else. Some of you are mechanical, can go and fix something for somebody. And I know the person usually wants to, to pay, but just, just let, let it be a grace gift. Um, some folks, the little ones, maybe you can say, hey, Bring your kids over here, you and your husband, or, or if you're a single mom or single dad, you go out and just have a good time. I'll take care of the kids for some, a few hours or for, for a day. That's a, that's a grace gift. John Maxim, Maxwell, some of you would know, um, had a guy come to him one day and said, I just feel led to uh, give you a gift of an hour of my time once a week. And he was just blown away by this. And so this guy would come and you got some little task for me to errand to run, whatever it might be, uh, an hour a week. You know how, he, how long he did this? For nine years, he gave that gift to John Maxwell. So, togetherness gifts, service gifts, and then encouragement gifts. Now, this isn't hard. A, a smile is an encouragement gift. Uh, a text, an email, a letter, a call, a visit, whatever it may, might be. In fact, um, I was sharing uh, in my small group on Tuesday night about, uh, we talked about Grinch emotions last year, the Grinch emotion I'm most dealing with right now, struggling with. So I shared that. And my mother-in-law, most of you know Naomi, uh, is in my small group. And so I got a text of encouragement from my mother-in-law 
on Wednesday. So, all of us can participate in grace giving. It's the most fun. It really is. And the lesson from all this is uh, it, no price tag. You, you can't put a price tag on these uh, grace gifts. So, let's look at the wise men and see what they have to teach us about giving. Um, first, give your gifts unexpectedly. And that's kind of my thing I struggle with with Christmas. Everybody's expecting most of these gifts, right? My grandkids are expecting gifts under the tree. I mean, it's still fun to give it to them, but they're not unexpected. Let's read the text again. <clears throat> Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in the province of Judea at the time when King Herod reigned. Not long after Jesus was born, magi, wise men, or seers from the east made their way from east to Jerusalem. Now again, these weren't Jewish people. They didn't worship the Jewish God. Now, it really seems odd that God would even use them. <clears throat> and they show up in our text, and people have been talking about them for 2,000 years. Um, but aren't you God, glad that God uses unexpected people like you and I to do his work? And as I said earlier, <clears throat> they didn't live close by. So it took them probably months to get from where they lived uh, to where they were going. Jesus was a, maybe a toddler at this time. Months had passed. And so they took the time and the expense and the energy to travel that amount of time. Um, one thing we used to do in our families was exchange names. And so everybody didn't have to buy gifts for everybody. You just buy a gift for one among the adults. But the other thing we would do, we'd put kind of two or three things we want on the list. And so then they tell you, the only surprise was which of the one of the three things was the person, did the person buy for me? It was really kind of boring. Uh, just, we stopped doing it. <laughs> Maybe that's true why it was boring. So unexpected. So I, I write on your outline and get the outline emailed to you if you give us your email address. Um, someone I'd, I'll give to this year is, and I want this to be a, unexpected, a surprise gift and mostly not money. Right? If you want to do some financial gift, fine. But find somebody to unexpectedly bless with a grace gift. Um, just unexpectedly. Uh, another thing we learned from, the, from these wise men is to give your gifts joyfully. Joyfully. Uh, Richard Foster, got the name. Richard Foster. Christian author, wrote this, even poor people need to give because it will helps destroy the demon of greed. Can poor people be greedy? Sure they can. We all can be greedy. It's easy for us to fall into greed. So give and give joyfully. Uh, the scripture talks about the wise men. Uh, in verse 10, the star they had first seen in the east reappeared a miracle that of course, overjoyed and enraptured the wise men. They were flabbergasted by this miracle that they were experiencing. And it's interesting, God gives joyfully. It's hard for us to imagine sending a son to suffer and die being a joyful gift. But God, in, in a part of the Bible, Old Testament, that some of you probably have never read. <laughs> in fact, you maybe not have ever even heard of this. 
Zephaniah, it talks about God's joy. And it's just amazing when I, when I read it. For the Lord your God is living among you. We believe that God's here. He's a mighty Savior. He will, does take delight in you with gladness. Did you catch that? God takes delight in you and in me. I don't take delight in me, but God takes delight in me. And with his love, he will calm all your fears. And he will rejoice over you with joyful songs. God is singing joyful songs over you and I. Mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. Uh, I just, I found, uh, I knew it, but I was reminded. This is my mother-in-law's favorite passage of scripture. She's a, a songster. She loves, loves to sing. And uh, talented uh, musician as well. Uh, so it got me thinking about you and I. So Jesus in a Sermon on the Mount said this. So if you are sinful people, which we are, know how to give good gifts to your children. That's what we do, right? How much more will your Heavenly Father give, give good gifts to those who ask Him? So you're asking God for good gifts? Arnold Palmer, a golfer years ago. The story goes back about 50 years ago. He was... Uh, playing golf in Saudi Arabia, and they had a king at the time. And the king was impressed at his skill at playing golf, so he asked him, what, what, what can I give you? And Arnold didn't know what to say to him, so he said, give me a golf club. So a little while later, he receives the deed to a golf club. Moral being this, when asking a king, don't ask for small stuff. And you and I get to ask the king, so what are you asking him for? Maybe you have some serious illness or someone you know has a serious illness. Pray for big stuff. Pray for healing. All of us have loved ones that aren't Jesus followers that we love for them that accept the gift to come Jesus follow. And for some of us, we've been praying for him for years and years and years. Continue to pray for big stuff. Salvation of those. I mentioned this missions offering, $175 million. That's pretty big stuff, right? So pray that God's people will give so that people around the world can hear how much God loves them. So, what else? Give your gifts personally. Personally. I got thinking these wise men could have just sent somebody with the gifts. <laughs> um, they probably had the wherewithal to, you know, UPS it or whatever, right? Um, so give your gifts personally. So as soon as the wise men arrived, they arrived, they came. They saw him and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Now, the other thing, probably the best gifts you and I can give are gifts from our uniqueness. We're all unique. We're all one of a kind. And to give gifts, especially if you've got a unique talent or gift uh, that you can give. So whether it be, you know, you've got carpenter talent and give a gift to some carpentry skill or, or mechanical skill or technological skill, or whatever it might be. Give out of your uniqueness. One gift uh, my wife and I have given to our adult kids, and I would encourage you to do this also, is the gift of no expectations. On the holidays, we have no expectation if they come or not. We love for them to come. They're all invited to come. Um, we can, you know, work our schedule around their schedule because we know that if they're married, they have the other side of the family, and they have expectations, etc. So one of the gifts we made, gave a long time ago to our kids was no expectations. We'd love to see you if you can come or when you can come. Another important thing is to give, 
and I think it's really big for me, is to give lasting gifts. Let me, I, I asked the first service, if you're home, I can't see you, raise your hand. How many of you remember, remember what you got last Christmas? Didn't get many hands in the first service. I remember one of my gifts I got last year, and it was a collapsible work table. And it sat in my garage, and I didn't use it until like September when I went to work in my brother's house, and I took it with me, and I, I set up the wet saw to cut tile with. <laughs> so I remember that gift. But it's so easy. We don't even remember from year to year often what we get. I remember one gift I got from my wife. It's diamond earrings. He still has them in from the time I gave them to her. Um, in fact, we try and get, up, got them, get them out about this time last year, and she couldn't get them out. <laughs> so I guess she's going to be buried with them. I don't know. But anyway, uh, lasting gifts, gifts that last. Um, they unpacked, in this case in our story, they unpacked their satchels and gave Jesus gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we read about the significance of those gifts. So let me give a couple of examples. Good memories. Get the gift of good memories. Uh, one thing I thought of, uh, we got married on November 19th, so it wasn't long before it was Christmas, right? And my wife loves Christmas tree, as most of you know. We got 10 of them in our house right now. So uh, got to have a Christmas tree. Okay, when you get married, you never know what the spouse, you know, your new spouse, what they like and don't like. Got to have a Christmas tree. Well, we weren't, didn't have much money. And so um, uh, a man in our church was actually the director of, of the Baptist camp in Maryland, Delaware, which is on South Mountain, 300 acres. He said, just come up and, you know, cut one down the little pine trees down. So we went out there and looked around, found some scrawny little pine tree. <laughs> we cut it down, which was a neat memory, and took it into this house, apartment, upstairs apartment. But this was in a house where an older couple lived and downstairs, and they just, the house was so hot. We, we would run around with T-shirts and shorts on in the wintertime. So uh, you can imagine a pine tree in a hot environment like that for a month. So it wasn't long before the needles started falling off. And by the time we took it out of the apartment, down the stairs, there were needles everywhere. And one of our memories is vacuuming needles for months after Christmas from that tree. But, uh, so that's, that's a memory, a, a good memory we have, our first Christmas. And another, uh, and make other traditions you might have. Uh, reading a Christmas story on Christmas morning with your kids or grandkids, whatever it might be. Um, and a godly heritage, a godly heritage. We, we are thankful for the fact that our four of our children are Jesus followers. I know some of you, your, your children aren't, and I know that's uh, some of the biggest sadness uh, for you. Uh, but hopefully you had a, attempted or had a godly heritage for them as they grew up. And maybe one day those good memories will bring them into the kingdom. And then give your gifts immediately. Give your gifts immediately. Why wait? Uh, the wise men didn't wait. The best we can tell from the text is when they saw the star, they went. Where is the newborn who is king of the Jews? When we were far away in the east, we saw his star and we followed it. <laughs> so we saw it and we followed it. In fact, if we read the story, they wouldn't go home until they found it. So they had to go around looking in Bethlehem for this Jesus. And we all have these someday things, right? Someday I'm going to do this. Someday I'm going to give this. Why wait? Give it immediately. Now, if you've got a gift for Christmas, you can wait five days for, till Christmas. Uh, 
But if you have other gifts, uh, don't wait. Some of the saddest things is people on their deathbed saying, I wished I had done this, wished I had said this. Sometimes it's those words uh, that people wait to hear. Now, think near the end of the year and it's Christmas time and I don't buy gifts for the congregation, but I do want to thank you. Uh, once again, it's been a really difficult year, but it's been a joy for my wife and I to be uh, a pastor and lead this congregation. Uh, it's been almost 30 years, 29 years, I think now. 29 years. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness to God. Thank you for the faithfulness to this, to this body. Thank you for the way you represent Jesus to this community. And we're not hugging, but I just want to give you a big group hug this morning and say I love you and I appreciate you all. I want to end with this story <coughs> about gift giving. Uh, rich family. Not experience of mine, but rich family. And their tradition was when, their child, uh, when a child would graduate from high school, they would buy them a car. Not just any car. Whatever car they wanted. Most of us don't live in that environment. And so, teenage boy, he's graduating from high school. <coughs> they would give this gift at Christmas, by the way. Um, he went shopping for cars with his dad, and they went to different dealerships, and he, he picked out the car that he wanted. And so Christmas time comes along, and his dad hands him a box about this size, and he opens it up, and it's a Bible. And he takes the Bible and throws it down. I'm tired of you trying to force your God down my throat. And he storms out. A few years later, he gets a call. He's away at college that his father's died. <clears throat> and so he comes home. And he's looking through different stuff. And he comes across that box. And he sees that Bible. And he opens the Bible up to the Christmas story. And in that Bible is the title to that car. Now I want you to think about the father. How heartbroken he was. He bought the greatest gift he knew to give to his son and his son missed it. And I think about our heavenly father who gave us the greatest gift of all, Jesus. And some of you are missing it. So my prayer for you this Christmas, it would be the greatest Christmas you ever experienced because it would be the first you experience God's grace gift of Jesus. Uh, take home is this. Who needs a grace gift from you? What can you give not expecting anything in return? And then once you figure it out, don't wait, do it. So let's pray together. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the Christmas season. We thank you for the Christen, Christmas narratives that have so much to teach us, especially in this case about gift giving. And God, we want to pray for those that are missing the gift, the greatest gift. If you're not a Jesus follower and, and are watching, we would pray that today would be the day. No need to wait to receive the greatest gift. It's a grace gift. You can't pay for it if you wanted to. It's too expensive but it's given free. And we pray that today would be the day you accept. Say, yes, God, I'm separated from you from my sin. I don't want to be. I can't fix it. You made it possible to be fixed. 
with your son Jesus. I accept that gift. I confess my sin. I accept your forgiveness. I ask your forgiveness and accept it. And join in that relationship with you as one of your children in your family. Thank you, Jesus, for that gift. Um, and God, for many of us, we're Jesus followers. We've experienced your grace, maybe for a long time. For me, it's been a long time. And sometimes it's easy for us to kind of just take it for granted. I pray that we don't. That it's just amazing to us as it was to the wise men to be in Jesus' presence. So let this Christmas uh, be one of special joy as we uh, experience maybe in a new way uh, the fact that Jesus is our Savior. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.